Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive in June. Olive in June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. the center of the galaxy this is the four center podcast feed in this particular episode of the four center podcast feed is the clone wars report (laughs) 
Every week, I am more entertained by your musical selections to capture the mood of the Clone Wars report. And this was, that was like some sultry guitar, maybe? Uh, like a, maybe like a sultry, noir, sax guitar, but sweeping romance ballad? I don't know. I definitely sensed the romance uh, because these are, in my opinion, some of the most romantic episodes of the Clone Wars. Lots oh, of yes. romantic fighting of small uh, droid spider creatures. That's what mm. romance is in Star Wars. You fight mm. little droid spiders together. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the romance of droid spiders. Back to back in love. Uh, that's we're talking about Obi-Wan and Satine. Uh, you can imagine that Ken and I are back to back as we record this podcast. Uh, as we uh, as we always like to do, we're letting you know what episodes we're actually talking about, so you can join in. Uh, we talk about uh, the arcs, so sometimes that's a single episode. And this week it is three episodes. It is season two, episode twelve, "The Mandalore Plot," written by Melinda Shu, directed by Kyle Dunleavy. Then season two, episode 13, Voyage of Temptation, written by Paul Dini, directed by Brian Kalen O'Connell. And season two, episode 14, Duchess of Mandalore, written by Drew Z. Greenberg, directed by Brian Kalen O'Connell. They definitely form a, a an arc. They're a little trilogy, but they're all each their own episode, right, Ken? Oh, yeah, the the little individual vibes, especially by Duchess of Mandalore, where, you know, where little Palpatine comes in, uh, Voyage of Temptation. I mean, that's just a, you want pulpy, that's what that is. And um, overall, yeah, it all connects so well. Such great episodes. Yeah, so we're going to dive in. We're going to do a summary. Uh, I like writing these summaries, and I like sharing them. Are you ready, Ken? Let's do it. Neutrality. The leader of Mandalore, Duchess Satine Kriyas, is also the leader of the Council of Neutral Systems, over 1,500 worlds who are determined to stay out of the Clone Wars. Little does Satine know, a Separatist and Sith plot is afoot. Following a deadly civil war, Satine ushered in a new era for Mandalore, emphasizing pacifism and nonviolent political action. Angered at the rejection of traditional Mandalorian warrior ways, a group of extremists called the Death Watch plot a violent takeover of Mandalore. Aided by Dooku and Palpatine, Death Watch makes multiple attempts to murder and or frame Satine, all to justify a Republic occupation of Mandalore. They know this would turn the proud and independent people of Mandalore against the Republic. The people would then see the Death Watch as liberators, not terrorists. And so Satine engages in a mostly nonviolent battle for the will of her people and the future of Mandalore. She is both aided and frustrated by the assistance of Jedi peacekeeper Obi-Wan Kenobi. The spark of Kenobi and Satine's youthful romance is rekindled, and the star-crossed friends, but not lovers, wrestle with what it truly means to keep the peace. Satine is also aided by the political savvy of Padme Amidala and the casual violence of Anakin Skywalker. <laughs> Together, they expose just enough of the plot to foil it, and Mandalore remains a place of neutrality and pacifism for now. Bum, bum, bum. Mm-hmm. For now. Yeah. Yeah. This one was a, this was such an interesting uh, a trilogy of episodes because there's the individual plot mechanics of each individual episode, but all of it is framed by that one big plot of let's get the Republic to yeah. <laughs> occupy Mandalore, it, which is just such a great statement on the war itself. Mm. A Mandalore plot. Yeah. So let's get into your overall reaction, Ken. Did you love these episodes, like them, struggle with them? Where did you go? Yeah, I mean, come on. This is this is this is the stuff, right? I mean, this is 
if you're having a ca- casual conversation at a bar and Clone Wars comes up, uh, oh, well, yeah, yeah, Clone Wars, uh, what are some of your favorite moments or episodes? Uh, there's going to be so many, you're going to be overwhelmed and you're going to go, oh, but you know what? I-, I totally remember the Mandalore stuff and Duchess Satine. Uh, this comes up a lot for good reason. Big canon stuff, big revelations, uh, big private investigator Kenobi energy, which we <laughs> love. Um, it's not just about uh, choosing sides or the war coming to you. That, that's all through it. It's, it's, a, it's a culture change. It's about, like you said, how to keep the peace, some great philosophy going on. And a final note for me here, I just love the, the, the use of Kenobi to really dig into the hard questions of the war and the Jedi among other things, there's a lot of things that are brought up here because, you know, to me, Ahsoka's still learning and it can might already be compromised. <laughs> and we always kind of say Kenobi's kind of that, 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 that poster child for the Jedi in a way, not saying he's always perfect, um, but just that, yeah, you look at him, you go, that, that guy gets it and he knows what he's doing. He's no he's there for and he, and he does good things. Uh, and now you got some real tough questions that he's got to analyze and answer. And, and, and I love all that at play in these episodes. Yeah, no, I I absolutely echo a ton of what you're saying. I love these episodes partially because just my deep love uh, for Kenobi, but it's always great to take a step back and look at all three episodes because there's so much going on in these episodes from the revelation of Kenobi's relationship uh, with Satine to, you know, this is the first time we're really seeing this, you know, this canon version of Mandalore and now it ripples out. And these are some episodes to rewatch. If you really like the show, uh, the Mandalorian, right? Mm-hmm. So there's, there's so many like bits of canon specific scenes, specific lines that I think fans remember and like, but it's always fun to rewatch it and re- just be reminded that all three together are basically a huge political thriller, right? Like that's the totally. actual story that is motivating all of these great uh, moments of uh, Kenobi and Mandalorian canon. Um, and I just, I love the vibe. It's great. If, if you had just written on a piece of paper, uh, turns out Obi-Wan is going to have had a, somebody who was romantically interested in, in his youth. And then he reencounters them. I'd be like, great. That's all in. Uh, I'm all in on that. But the execution of it, that Kenobi and Satine are kind of like this old Hollywood romance, uh, that's going on between these two stubborn bantering star-crossed lovers and i i really love that their dynamic is not uh like that opposites attract it's more like similars attract that they are both very similar people with very similar concerns and nobility and they're just getting together and pushing each other to live up to their own ideals and that works so well just as in a relationship but what's so great about it to me is that the big picture like political thriller is that both the Jedi and the Mandalorians have to wrestle with their relationship to violence and their history of violence. And that big picture story gets to be told through this personal story of Obi-Wan and Satine of this is how we relate is by poking at each other and holding each other to our highest values. And through that, we're holding our own people, our own culture to these higher values. Mm, yeah, that's that's all just some great storytelling, great writing. And, and you're right, just a simple concept, I guess you could put down on paper, but you, you could take this so many different ways and go wrong or maybe not have the impact. It, it works on every level, works on that sweep of romance. And I love, oh, you're so right, the Jedi, the Mandalorians, uh, it's not quite Romeo and Juliet. It's its own version, uh, Kenobi and Satine. I mean, uh, Obi-Wan and, and Satine, that's why people love it and react to it so much. 
Uh, so a lot of things at play there, and, and of course it should end up with the war. We are, this is the Clone Wars, and 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 we're it's a mirror reflected to everyone in the story and us, and, and that's why I think they work so well as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, final thing that I wanted to say for myself in the big picture uh, review is just all three episodes are great. I think that second episode there, I might like point to that as one of my favorite individual episodes of the Clone Wars. I think it's partially because that's where we really get uh, the depth of the Kenobi and Satine relationship. Mm -hmm. We get the hint that they knew each other in the first episode and we get a little bit of their trying to reconnect in particular in the third episode but the second episode is where it all comes spilling out right and i love that the adventure is you know the the whiz bang star wars adventure part of it is there are uh, droids down in the darkness uh underneath that can't be contained and even when you think you stop them more small versions spill out <laughs> like the spider droids are just this like incredibly beautifully not subtle uh, you know, analogy for repressed emotions. It's like the, those spider droids are like Obi-Wan and Satine's feelings. Like they're coming up from the depths and they're going to keep crawling out no matter what. So I just, I love that. And, you know, I think it is notable that this is scripted by Paul Denny. Obviously the whole team, Clone yeah. Wars team is involved creatively, but just the actual script, not, not mm. even the story, not the themes, but the script, the dialogue has an extra sharpness. It almost has a hunger to me of like somebody who's like, I love Star Wars and this is my moment where I get to play and I'm going to really, really, you know, just tear into it and make sure that every line is special, not a single line is throwaway or unconsidered. Yeah, absolutely. I And, and, and Paul Dini, who's such a wonderful career um you know that's uh, influenced a lot of folks a lot of a lot of a lot of properties uh i love that this is kind of like not that uh, he couldn't take a big swipe now but like this was the time for him to like get into star wars for what you you know you're saying there that's like like it's great for him to roll up the sleeves and go let me turn my eye to this it works yeah yeah and there, there, there's a flavor to some of the lines some of them are just like great quotable lines which i'm sure we'll quote uh but some of them have the flavor of that perspective of like I've always wondered about this and uh, in this Star Wars idea, and I want to poke at this Star Wars idea, and it's a real sense of uh, fun and play yeah, along with the depth. Yeah. So let's dive into the morals of the episode, Ken. We got three episodes, three morals. If you ignore the past, you jeopardize the future. Good. Fear uh, not for the future, weep not for the past. Great. Uh, it'd be a fun Hallmark card to send someone. And finally, in war, truth is the first casualty. Mm. Which of these morals uh, hit you? What did you think about when you heard them? All that stuff. So, I, I yeah, um, I think the one that hit me, the one I've been ruminating and thinking on, perhaps dumped my Scrabble uh, bag of notes on uh, down on the thing, you know, just about a lot of letters uh I'm, I'm putting into sentences here uh first one uh if you ignore the past you jeopardize the future i think they all work well together in war truth is the first casually is uh, very interesting just the idea of um, plots and intrigue conspiracies inflame passions and how information is used to uh drive things forward for better or worse maybe which is why i put the note of enter palpatine this is what he really needed to show up so that one's good uh fear not for the future weep not for the past is uh is very much connected to the first one for me um but i'll, I'll just throw it up there i just I just the idea of, of 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 if you ignore the past jeopardize the future so this this is taking in parts of learning from it uh growing from it i can't 
help. And I'm going to probably mention a few times. I can't help but think about Kylo Ren and his mm. big thesis of episode eight that, you know, got missed and mis- <laughs> misinterpreted and twisted, uh, depending on uh, how you wanted to use that in an argument. Uh, let the past die and everything about that there. Um, but also this is, um, you were talking about culture change. You talked about the Jedi and the Mandalorians having to deal with what they were, what they're tied to. You said violence, because that's uh, very much what it is. The Jedi Mandalorian wars, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so then I have to wonder too, it's like, I'm, I, this is a question. This isn't me saying a statement of, you got a little bit in this, in the first episode, Duchess either, Duchess Satine is, I don't want to say like, overlooking Death Watch or playing it down for Kenobi. Who knows? Try to get there, but not that we are um, legitimizing what the Death Watch believe or what they want, but they think they represent a truth. And I, I think you can't just simply ignore that. You have to take that and grow from it. Uh, and I don't think Satine's killing the past. I think that's a little what Kylo wanted to do and why it ties into that. So it's just, it's just this big soup of philosophy. <laughs> And and viewpoints and how do you actually affect true change, which is something that she has done and is continuing to do or continuing to try to do. And this is a big obstacle to it. Yeah, uh, no, I think everything you're saying is great. I feel like uh, in war, truth is the first casualty. Um, sometimes these uh, morals are sort of uh, they're philosophical, right? Or they're they're yeah. good rules of thumb if you're uh, fighting in a, a galactic space war, or if you're you know uh, just trying to coach a little league team, as you have <laughs> pointed out. Yeah, yeah. sometimes yeah. they're good all purpose. This is almost more like, hey, this is literally what's happening in the episode, <laughs> and this yeah. is literally what happens in the world. This is a literal thing that happens. You yeah. know, it, it really goes to me. I think. Um, I think there's so much in the Clone Wars. It's in these episodes where we know the story of individuals who give into their fear and fall. And I think what the Clone Wars tells us again and again is, hey, you, you know, Anakin's journey, that exact journey happens to societies. You know, you give in to half truths that expose your fear and you respond to the fear, you know, and I think that one is is really just uh, right on on the nose, right on Palpatine's nose. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and the other two, I love what you're saying. They're they're both uh, wrestling with the, a a theme of Star Wars, which I think is uh, that generational change. Yeah, uh, that the past and the future it, uh, are this duality of Star Wars, and we're always in the present, uh, somehow caught between the two. I think it really plays into that big Star Wars theme of the the past does not stay buried. You can't kill the past. You need to deal right. with it and learn from it, right? Because uh, the violent Mandalorians are coming back. Uh, the Sith are coming back. The Jedi are falling into a war like they haven't been in, you know, mm-hmm. an extremely long time. Obi-Wan's and Satine's feelings are coming back. The past does not stay buried. So, uh, you know, I think that's a, a lot of what the, if you ignore the past, you jeopardize the future is about. And then the second one is almost like a response to that of, you know, fear not for the future, weep not for the past is really that, you know, you can't uh, you can't change the past. So you have to accept it and you can't just always be in constant anxiety about the future the way Anakin is in anxiety about those visions of Padme. You you Mm -hmm. have to be in the moment and dealing with what's in front of you. It's also a great Sarah McLachlan song, sort of. Uh, Yeah, no. uh, You're absolutely right. And, 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 and to maybe more clarify, even what I'm thinking about the death watch too, of just like, like you said, you, you have to deal with that, right? You, you keep uh, 
saying that so wonderfully, just like this is the nature. And, and so you can't overlook that anything there because if you just kind of brush it off, you're going to jeopardize the future because then they, they, in this case, the Death Watch, will probably jeopardize that future. So that's part of what's on the table for me as well. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I want to dig into those ideas. I want to talk about all the uh, the big picture ideas of the episodes. Mm-hmm. What do you think is uh, are a couple of the big picture ideas at stake in the episode? Uh, what does your, uh, your Scrabble bag say? Scrabble bag says, uh, read the tea leaves here. Um, I think, I, I tell you what, I, I kind of combine, the, the war, uh, war truth is the first casualty thing is, uh, yeah, not its own thing. It, 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 it I think it's, um, in fact, actually, as I'm thinking a lot, I think it asks you to, to examine uh, some of the lessons maybe learned in uh, the, the first two. I just put down this idea of uh, the, the, these episodes and what's at stake is this idea of what defines you and then what drives you forward. And you have two groups, but I broke it up in three categories. You have a Jedi, you have a pacifist, and uh, who is leading the Mandalorians. And all three of these parties and individuals or groups here, uh, Jedi, Mandalorians, and then Kenobi, Satine, and perhaps even Death Watch, um, uh, maybe are asking themselves, what defines me and what has defined me? And how am I going to take that to move me forward? And how do I want to move forward? Uh, This idea that... um, Satine says, uh, in, in, is reality what makes the Jedi abandon his ideals, or is it simply a response to political convenience? Uh, great line. Ooh, sharp dig, right? Makes you think. I just took that to, to a lot of things. Of, of I think Kenobi's got some interesting, I like what Kenobi kind of says uh, at, at one point about uh, saying, what's the line? Um, the the a noble description he says when she talks about uh, the role of peacekeepers and, and uh, a, no, a noble description but not a realistic one, and Satine kind of wonders back to him if they, you know do the Jedi bend with with what's uh, bend to what's in front of him which is what I think that line means so all of that is is goes that back to this theme for me of of, of find out what defines you and how are you going to go forward with that and make the changes that are needed or make the changes you want uh, and then when challenged what are you going to be. What will you become, as Sagarera says in a ever <laughs> saw beyond that, you know? <laughs> the great themes of moments that got cut out of the films. Yeah, no, I'm totally on board with you. I think that's where my mind went uh, to. I kind of saw it as the big picture uh, umbrella idea of being keeping the peace. The idea of what is yeah. it to be a peacekeeper uh, as individuals and as societies. You know, I really went to that conversation right. as well. Uh, in that first episode where it could just feel like, oh, this is some fun banter uh, between Obi-Wan and Satine that kind of sets the mood. But I think it really starts to play through in all their actions, you know, to to break it down into the practical debate from those great quotes that you pulled is they're having this debate about what is a peacekeeper. And Obi-Wan basically says, well, they have to be on the front lines dealing with conflict. Uh, mm-hmm. So a peacekeeper kind of can't act until there is conflict. And Satine says, no, a peacekeeper should be making sure conflict doesn't happen mm-hmm. in the first place. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I think these are things that at, at different points in the episodes, they could almost flip and say to one another. Um, yeah. And I think what's so great about the that first episode that, that sets up this uh, debate between them as people and about their societies is we get to see that they're both, you know, very, very noble and very, you know, wrestling with this important question of like, we know that peacing keeping peace is good we know that pacifism is the ideal how do we get there mm-hmm. and they're both initially full of pride and confidence in their own people you know obi-wan's like look we've been through this the jedi and the republic have been through this the war started 
uh, more people are going to die if we don't act in defense while this conflict is happening. So uh, we got to go. And at the same time, Satine's like, but look at the Mandalorians. Uh, we're we're doing great. I have instituted peace. And, uh, and what? The Death Watch isn't that big of a deal. It's so important that she's not wanting to accept that there are dark forces in the midst of the Mandalorians. The same way she has such clarity that the Republic and the Jedi have lost their way in a way that Obi-Wan can't entirely see because they're both in the middle of their cultures, you know? And then I think the their actual actions, what happens in the next couple of episodes are them both just really wrestling with this kind of big picture idea of, uh, well, peacekeeping is defense. They seem to agree on that, but when is defense truly defense? Uh, you know, can you be tricked into defending at the wrong time uh, or, or or for the wrong reason? You know, when is the right time to defend before or after the aggression? And they have to like literally kind of march through these steps in the conflicts that they themselves are, are find themselves in. Yeah. And in that second episode, uh, a voyage of temptation and, uh, you know, wonderful, sexy, salacious title, but I really think it comes down. It's really about this stuff. Um, uh, and, and that final standoff, which we'll, I'm sure mention with a you know, third party Anakin getting involved, but, uh, with them and, 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 uh, Merrick, I mean, it all builds to that and, and, uh, asking these big twin tough questions. And I understand where Obi-Wan's coming from. I get it. Of us, not very realistic. He he's very at times. He, what he uses the phrase, uh, uh, you know, uh, delusions of a dreamer is ta- used in the episode. I can't remember that. Maybe that's not Kenobi's quote. Um, uh, but he, I love the. There may be two sides to every dilemma, but the Duchess only favors hers. I mean, really Barbie <laughs> stuff. Really jabs and barbs, but uh, just uh, finding the way, the right way to do it. And to to one of the themes that I think has come up uh, in some of your conversations here at Force Center late, lately, Joseph, about like, especially with the Jedi, just like the idea of both sides agree, both sides are trying. You get some credit for that and let's find the best way forward. Yeah, yeah. And I agree that's, it, it totally builds that Merrick moment really well. I think we've got this sort of a stop along the way where uh, Satine is, you know, really right in criticizing Obi-Wan about some of the flaws of the Jedi. We we know those well. We, the audience, get to know those. Uh, Obi-Wan is is right that the Death Watch is more than just hooligans. I love that that's the word that she uses. Like, they're just hooligans. Eh, actually, yeah. they're kind of a problem. Uh, and it builds that great moment in the second episode uh, where uh, they are fighting back to back and there's, you know, some great stuff yeah. going on there. And Satine says, just because I'm a pacifist doesn't mean I won't defend myself. And Obi-Wan says, now you sound like a Jedi. Yeah. And that's that great moment. It sounds like just fun banter, but it's that great moment where they come together, where Obi-Wan is like, see, this is what I've been living with mm-hmm. constantly. I'm The galaxy is in conflict, and I can sit back and not be involved, or I can try to go out there and make the choice that is defense and, and, and stop conflict and bring peace, and it's not always that simple. And, you know, there seems to be, like, Sistine having, you know, some little bit of understanding to it and which then leads directly to the end of that episode which uh you were so right to highlight of uh tal merrick putting them in that compromising position and really making it about the big picture philosophy and their personal relationship of like uh okay in theory taking me out is absolutely just indefensible because i'm one person uh putting the greater good at risk. I'm going to kill all these people, but I know both you pacifists, you peacekeepers, you've got yourself tied up in knots and you'll, you know, even disappoint one another in your personal relationship. If you do anything is so, so great. He says, uh, come on then who will strike first and brand themselves as a cold blooded killer. Oh. Greg, <laughs> and so well. so Greg well. Proops, right? 
right? Yeah. Great, great performance. Uh, and then uh, I love that it that's just resolved by it's. That's not a head scratcher for Anakin. <laughs> that he just yeah. kills him. He says, "What? He was going to blow up the ship." And it's almost a comedy beat, right? It's like, oh, yeah, it, it is. <laughs> it's a comedy beat immediately followed by a mournful hint of the imperial theme, right? Yeah. Oh my followed god. By, no. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. And then Anakin immediately senses the vibe between Obi-Wan and Satine and gets kind of embarrassed. So it's like, it's this great moment of comedy, uh, violence, foreshadowing the horror of Anakin, but also yeah. kind of having a perspective on this debate that Obi-Wan and Satine yeah. are like, we're, we're trying to prove to one another that we are pacifists to the point where we're maybe not going to take action to yeah. save the ship. Yeah. You know, and it invites that discussion of like, is there a perspective where Anakin is right? Uh, but certainly not with the, the casualness with which he did it. Right. Yeah. Look, this is a, this is a big moment. I, I, cause I'm like, I might be in Anakin's side here, which maybe not be, a, might not be a good thing. I, I might have to go and I'm going to go to the cabin and think about that. No, I put down this note of, you know, if the big theme is you got to find what defines you and what drives you forward. I, I think Anakin does this kill because uh, he's unsure of what defines him and unsure of how to go forward. Uh, he knows himself. He thinks he knows himself, but there's so much going through his head. It's easy to push him around, right? Palpatine, it, it takes him. He's, he's pulling him on a string. And so that's why I think he, to me, makes that decision. It's, it's uh, you know, he, he knows. And again, he's got a reason that what? He was going to kill a lot of people. You know, Anakin's not wrong. <laughs> But, but the music playing, it's one of the best used uses of the Imperial March. It's and it is played for a comedy beat for for, for a beat. Um, so yeah, great stuff. Uh, you know, uh, like I said, I, when it happened this, this time around, when it happened, I'm like, yeah, that's right. Oh wait, I don't know if I should be root for Anakin. <laughs> yeah, this is real. We've been talking about straight line Anakin, who just like uh, rips away the complexity mm -hmm. of things, right? Right. And I think this is a moment where that we're we're really invited to think about Obi-Wan and Satine's perspective I think is is the moral high ground right of like mm -hmm. we need to make sure that we've exhausted every other possibility and like think maybe they could cut his hand off maybe they could have reasoned with him and and, and offered him some you know way out of it uh you know yeah. maybe, maybe there maybe there's some motivation they don't know about that that Talmeric particularly has maybe they can make a deal with him who knows uh maybe obi-wan can somehow sacrifice himself to save everybody else you know there there were probably still some other possibilities maybe and anakin doesn't wait for those to play out he's just like yeah that seems complex well, well never <laughs> lightsaber through the heart yeah well uh, also uh you're making me think of clone war season seven where obi-wan's like yeah we could have got information from dooku anakin killed him <laughs> yeah and he's been doing that a lot yeah, um, and I'll let you, you've mentioned it a few times, and, and I, I, I think good time to address it. There, there's so much great banter and classic romantic uh, banter and 1950s, uh, you know, uh, Hepburn Bogart banter, and that, that's a Han and Leia have that, and, and that's a, such a key part of Star Wars, and it is here, it is present all through, and it's real funny. But I think these are some of the episodes where, not even on this rewatch, but like at some point in the last four or five years, I remember going back to these episodes. And going, oh man, there's so much here. Like, don't get you don't want to get just lost on the surface of the banter. And it's just that that's to the writing, to the excellent writing, to to just use something we're used to. Romantic, 
you know, uh, Indiana Jones adventures. It's, it's, it's whiz bang adventures with some sweeping romance, but it's every line has these great thoughts, these great questions. And sometimes maybe clear answers, sometimes not. And, and again, I want to shout out the writing. Yeah, it, it, I, I can't wait to discuss some of uh, the the favorite comedy lines and see uh, see what we picked out for the good good banter. But yeah, it's all it's all great banter that has great meaning. And again, that absolute fun of two characters who are like we yeah. uh, we are absolutely we just spark right that yeah. that clearly they did when they were kids and clearly they do now and they spark partially because they're just like. I don't know. It's almost like <laughs> they're so similar of like, just they want to sit down and like um, mm-hmm. hold hands and, and debate philosophy. <laughs> yeah. And they would probably, you know, the only thing that they find to poke at one another about is where they both fail to be, to hold themselves to the highest <laughs> uh, moral possibility. Um, but for this like big arc between them, I like that the fact that they were both in utter turmoil about Merrick successfully, uh, you know, mm-hmm. pressing on the sore spot of, great, you're you're in a war. I'm gonna kill you. I'm gonna kill everybody on this ship. Uh, how how do you get out of that now, you peace lovers? The fact that both Obi Wan and Satine were in torment over that seems to have bring them brought them together a little bit by the end of the episode, where you know, uh, Obi Wan says uh, the needs of your people are all that matter. They couldn't be in better hands without with you to guide their mm-hmm. future. And Sadine says kind words indeed from a mindful and committed Jedi, which is the softest, mm. nicest thing she said to him, right? About yeah. saying like, I still don't think, you know, Jedi should be generals. I still think you mm. have run into this war way too fast, but I see you, Obi-Wan. I see that you are trying to be the best in this situation, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well done. It's making me think of a lot of the season five stuff. We'll, we'll get to that uh, with Satine, but Again, going going uh, back four or five years ago, of just listening to a lot of Satine's words, uh, I kind of remember the moment. And, and, and again, I, I didn't take I wasn't I didn't make big swings and misses in Star Wars, especially with the prequels. I just didn't I wasn't there for a lot. Of it. I didn't see a lot of it. I wasn't open to a lot of the big questions that were being asked in the movie. Sometimes it's just easy to go, yeah, Jedi's, uh, lightsabers, generals, cool. <laughs> uh, I've absolutely over the last 20 years been guilty of that. And I, it was the team. why I love this character as much as so many people love her. It was the words of the team, especially in the season five stuff where it just was like, Hey, wait a minute. Yeah. Why are Jedi's uh, generals? <laughs> I never really thought about it, you know, even though George had been asking the question, but uh, great, great stuff. Yeah. And I think it is what uh, makes these great all ages shows. Right. Because yeah. y- you can uh, I, I would have watched these when I was six and just thought this is so cool. And then, you know, you get older and you see what's kind of really at work in the in the plot. Um, I, I think for me, the one of the things that I really love about the whole arc, I, I love that second episode kind of as an episode. Mm-hmm. But the third episode is so important, I think, to this debate about what is a peacekeeper. Uh, because ultimately what happens is, you know, Palpatine uh, and the Death Watch try again to just, you know, straight up lie to the people, manipulate the uh, Satine, yeah. uh, manipulate the people of the Republic, uh, frame Satine. They try all this stuff and she does manage to, um, uh, no pun intended, uh, stick to her metaphorical guns. Mm-hmm. She, she and Obi-Wan together demonstrate what Merrick is kind of saying can't be done is that through nonviolent action, mm-hmm. uh, they, they are proactive, they do things, but they find information, and Obi-Wan really only uses uh, violence as literal defense, and they actually do defuse the plot this time. Mm-hmm. And this episode then becomes like 
almost meta, right? Because there's always this great tension of it's called Star Wars and it is often mm. preaching avoid war at all costs. Right. Uh, and this episode has this great vibe of it is building to what feels like it's going to happen halfway through the episode is the Republic is going to occupy Mandalore. They're going to be a bunch of clones and Jedi. And then Death Watch, a Mandalorian ar- you know, army, they're going to have a big war on Mandalore. And it almost invites you as a fan to go like, all right, here we go. And then it diffuses that and yeah. says, nope, the better thing would be if you could find out, you know, just some political information and play a hologram in the Senate. <laughs> That's the ideal situation, you know? Yeah. Stop Massimeda and his lies at all costs. That's what I want. Yeah. Yeah. But I think in, in some ways it's a little bit of sort of justice for the philosophical debates mm-hmm. that... Kenobi and Satine are having throughout. It's a counterpoint to Anakin's just like, what? He's going to blow up the ship. So I put a saber through his heart of yeah. they do take the time in the action to to find a nonviolent solution to the immediate problem. Stay stay to what defines you. Yeah, and what moves you forward. There you go, the theme. I love it. <laughs> uh, I have one other kind of big picture idea I, I wanted to discuss, but mm-hmm. uh, do you have any other kind of big picture ideas, uh, themes in these uh, episodes you wanted to discuss? No, no. I mean, there's definitely some stuff about attachment that connects, I think, to the bigger Star Wars stuff in a bit here. But yeah, uh, hit me with your best shot there. Yeah, I, I was really struck uh, by just the idea of the night seems to be being discussed. Um We've heard that since uh, we were kids of a Jedi Knight and that that word knight obviously has like all this resonance in our real world. Sounds cool. Always. Sure. But right out of the gate in that first episode, there is this sense of irony about the romantic idea of a knight. Right. The Mm -hmm. chivalrous hero who rides in. Satine's first lines are, well, Master Kenobi, my shining Jedi Knight to the rescue once again. Right. You know, in Jedi Knight. You know, more often than not, nowadays, it's Jedi, and the knight kind of gets dropped, you know? And even when you get into the ranks, like, well, technically, Obi-Wan's a master, right? You know? So it gets dropped a lot, and it seems very purposeful that this starts with Satine having this sense of irony of, hey, uh, maybe we should question some of these ideas of what makes someone a hero, you know? Should you pride yourself on being, you know, a knight and running around the galaxy rescuing all the time? And it yep. even gets uh, uh, enforced more when they're kind of talking in, in their great banter with a little bit of uh, irony, sarcasm about the idea of a daring rescue, right? Where Satine mm-hmm. says, I saved your life, you saved mine. And Obi-Wan says, yes, well, mine was the more daring of the two rescues. It's like they're really aware of this mm-hmm. idea of what it is to be uh, a knight. And, and I think Obi-Wan, in the third episode, there's even this little bit of, you know, early on in the third episode, Obi-Wan tries to intervene and help her before she's asked for help. And she gets upset right. and she says like, well, you know, uh, you're just running hither and yon, wielding a lightsaber with deadly force. Like you're on a crusade, which, yeah. you know, knights and crusades, yeah. put those together and you have some real world implications as well. Yeah. And then ultimately Obi-Wan does end up being what I think is like the good version of a knight when Satine directly asks him for his help. And really, all he does in the second half of the episode is uh, physically, you know, use, uses uh, in, any violence or action to defend her and himself and preserve life and then just do what she asks him to do. Yeah. <laughs> not what he thinks she wants. He's not, you know, quick kicking the door down going, I'm here. I'm the hero. He just does what she asks him to do. And that's what makes it work out. 
Yeah, yeah. No, I love the, this idea of uh, I've been rom- kicking around my head a lot too of just the idea of uh, often you know a, a hero's journeys does begin with uh, someone dreaming about being being something big, bigger beyond themselves, and you know, and you face all the obstacles and, and fear you can't get there. But al- along the way, you learn maybe you know wars not make one great is a big star Wars one. Oh, you want to be a hero and um, characters like, you know, Jon Snow and Luke Skywalker and all these, uh, you know, heroes we're, we're grown up with are, are now having our lives. They have to uh, really ask themselves again, what defines that title? What does, what, what's that about? Uh, and, and, and again, to go back to George and, and saying that in, in, in the original trilogy and really digging into it now and, and how they, they being the Jedi felt. I, I I understand. I, I like what you're saying there. I'm right there with you on this idea of questioning it. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I thought it was just cool that it was like the general idea of questioning the hero, questioning uh, the war, questioning yeah. generals, questioning Jedi. That's always, always there. But this was just kind of this fun extra flavor that it really connected it to uh, the idea of, of knights in shining armor. You yeah. Know, literally using my shining Jedi Knight to the rescue once again. Uh-huh. You know, and, and it does connect to a lot of other moments in Star Wars where mm-hmm. uh where heroes learn something different. Even like the even Obi-Wan and in and, and Ezra in that great Rebels episode that we discussed that, mm-hmm. you know, like even Obi-Wan is like, Thank you, Ezra. I see that you really re- really mean well, but I, I don't you shouldn't even be here. I don't need you to write in yeah. <laughs> and help me with this one, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You're not supposed to be here. Uh, let's talk then about the uh, ideas that reflect the larger story, morality, perspective of Star Wars and all that. Uh, you want to dig into attachment with me, Ken? Let's go into attachment. Yes, Anakin's got some uh, some interesting advice on it. <laughs> He's learned. He hasn't. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I love the little exchange. I, I love the whole time that Anakin seems excited like a kid in a candy store at the possibility like, does Obi-Wan have a girlfriend? <laughs> the the yeah. whole way that story is told, the the mirroring that a lot of it happens in, in elevators, it's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for me, I just really love that moment where uh, Obi-Wan finally tells him a little bit more of the story. And mm-hmm. Anakin says, as Master Yoda says, a Jedi must not form attachments. And Obi-Wan says, yes, but he usually leaves out the undercurrent of remorse. Yeah. Incredibly uh, you know, well-written, well-delivered line. What did you get out of that? How did you take that? Um, man, I did write that down here, um, and uh, trying to ruminate on it there. Just the idea of, um, we're seeing a lot of in the high Republic too, the light of Jedi and, and, and beyond plays with this idea of just like, can we allow ourselves to have these kind of emotions? And, um, is, is to me, there's the, the, the remorse is a bit of a, of a burden, a bit, a bit of a scar. And how do you heal from that? And how do you move it? And, And are you just repressing it? And, uh, I think Obi-Wan can handle that kind of stuff, but, but, uh, you know, Anakin and many, many others, not, not that what there's what only the lost 20, but other Jedi along the way have probably questioned it and dealt it and who knows, uh, dealt with it and, and, and failed to deal with it. So that's where I went with it. It's just like it, that, he, he's saying it, he, even the angle of the camera, the slump shoulders, it's a big giant burden on it, on him for, for me. Yeah, I think that's what I really liked it uh, uh, about it, that it feels just realistic, Mm -hmm. you know, and obviously everybody involved with the creative team is cool with it or wouldn't be in here. But that also that felt to me a little bit like, you know, Paul Denny trying to get into that, like the the heart of like, okay, we learned all about the attachment thing. But what does that really mean for the Jedi? What does that feel like? And I really like it from this perspective of Obi-Wan saying, 
yeah, I'm letting my guard down and I'm admitting that it hurts me that I can't be both a Jedi and with Satine because I want both those things. But sometimes that's what you have to do. You just have to admit that a negative feeling is real and you're not going to act on it and examine it and accept it. You know, he's saying it in his kind of his sarcastic way. And I don't think he's he's um, mm-hmm. offering great insight to Anakin in that moment. But I think it is insightful for, you know, why Obi-Wan is ultimately kind of a, a to me, a Jedi hero of mm-hmm. he's like, yeah, no, I'm, I, I've been where you've, you are, Anakin, with, with Padme. And it sucks. But sometimes things suck and you can't fix them. And yeah. you just live with the remorse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You live, yeah, you live with it, and and, and um, it, it's it's uh, you can process it a bit. Where where Anakin's he never he never really processes it, or at least he does in a different in a negative way, in a different way. Yeah, and it's you know a gr- another great element I think of Anakin's uh, fall that gets developed of like he starts out in in life as a as a mechanic, and you know he's got that great line in Attack of the Clones: "Is everything was easier when I was a kid, I could fix things." <laughs> yeah, you know, and this is something always like, uh, yeah, this hurts. Uh, and it always lives in me, buried somewhere, and uh, I can't fix it. And there's no yeah. point, you know. Weep not for the past. <laughs> yep. yep, yep, yep. Uh, I wanted to, uh, in in terms of attachment, I wanted to run this line by you because I think it's it, I think about it all the time. Uh, when they're being sort of uh, held hostage by Merrick, and Satine gets into the like, no, I'm going to tell you that I I've always felt for you, and Merrick, even Merrick's like, gross guys. Yeah. <laughs> But Obi-Wan has this line of, had you said the word, I would have left the Jedi Order. Mm. And, you know, I think it's the first time I heard that, it was just the like, wow, it's even possible that Obi-Wan would have left the Order. This this is not just like a flirtation. This is deep. Mm-hmm. This is real. Um, but I've uh, when I think back on it, I just love the way that it is. He's he's put he's entirely putting the ball in her court, mm. which mm. is just a fascinating insight to like this decision was too hard to make so i decided that i would do something if you made the decision for me <laughs> mm. Mm. what do i what do, uh, are we are we mad at obi-wan for this <laughs> i don't know if mad i think it's just in in insight uh yeah. you know um i think that there can be in in real life in many things uh, but certainly in romance that like Mm-hmm. you don't want to be the one who makes the declarative statement, particularly at the beginning of a relationship, because what if you're wrong, you know? Yeah. I think it, I think I just like it because it makes him human. I don't think it's a big, he's right or wrong. Mm-hmm. It just makes him human. It's such a huge, huge decision as a young person to go. Yeah. I'm going to tell Qui-Gon. I'm going to tell Yoda. <clears throat> yeah. I seem to like my life at the Jedi temple for the most part. I'm just going to tell them as a teen that I'm walking away for it all, that that's too big or too scary of a decision for Obi-Wan to make himself. But he had decided <laughs> that if yeah. she made the decision, he would agree with it. You know? Yeah. Uh, what I what I've always loved about this moment is, and, and especially on this rewatch, is seeing, um, is seeing the the idea, uh, just seeing him kind of own the feeling, uh, whether or not he would have or not. You know, it, 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 a great insight on putting on on her shoulders, but. I think it, uh, I talked about the burden of remorse for him just to be like, I, I wonder if he's for years just been like, would I really have done that? Would I really have done that? And in this moment, he's like, yeah, I would have done that. And just finally, uh, uh, you know, whatever that does to help him process the past and move forward. I, I, I wonder if it's a bit of relief finally. 
yeah, to just say this out loud or, you know, yeah. And it is, uh, I think it is utterly open for interpretation. Is this something that he was entirely aware of back then? Or is when he's thinking back now, he is realizing that that's what would have happened. Yeah. 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 Uh, other uh, big ideas from the old Star Wars morality perspective storyline that you feel are, are reflected in these episodes. So I kept saying, I just kept thinking about Kylo and and Ben Solo. Not just about them, that this just made me, oh, let me think about that. It just the connection. We talk about these big connections and how, you know, these movies in 2015, uh, 17 and, and 19 kind of dealt with this idea of... Um, the idea of uh, you know who you are or what you are, and then when you are challenged with it, you adapt and perhaps lose your way. And to me, that's 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 Kylo. I go to the Lor Santeca in the beginning, the very beginning, saying, "Oh yeah, you know, basically, hey, you wear a mask, cape. I, I, you know, I know what you think you are, Kylo Ren. <laughs> I know what you, I know what you really are. And, and not that we can't change or grow, or or that we have to, you know." Oh, I'm a, I'm a solo and that's my family. Like there, there's obviously bigger themes in there, but just the idea of, you know, the next picture, uh, Kylo wants to destroy the past, good and bad. We've talked about it a lot, but to me, it's just, uh, he, he doesn't want to face what he is. He wants to stay stuck in, in what he is and where he is. And, he, and, and we, you know, we know he goes far, so far down the path. He, he can't comprehend or believe uh, turning back, but I, I go to this uh, up top of, of that's, this idea of uh, learning from the past and then growing from it and, and it all leading of, of really knowing who you are and knowing how you want to drag yourself forward. Um, Kylo is an example of all these pressures on him, all these things and, and what he might be and, and, and when it was challenged, uh, you know, not right away, but when it was challenged, uh, he adapted. And I, I, I just Satine's line of, of, you know, again, is reality what makes Jedi abandon uh, his ideals or their ideals, or is it simply a response to political convenience? And I just, I look at Kylo of like, man, you got you got burnt once, abandoned. You got burnt once, and you you know you you reach for the black cape, uh, you know, for a lot of reasons, not just simple and Palpatine and Snoker in his ear, but just it's this big kind of Star Wars thing of why the past is valuable, even if we want to move past it, and why you can't ignore it in any direction. And I just thought it uh, it, it stretches out along many Star Wars stories for me. Yeah, no, I think that's really great, that idea that uh, even when you're in personal tur- tur- turmoil, there might be something to learn, not even from your, your personal past, but just even uh, the the past of the people who came before you, you know, like his namesake. Yeah. <laughs> Obi-Wan. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Yeah, I love that. Um, I often like to keep track of the, uh, the war, uh, kind of what's going on in the war. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, obviously, the Separatists, the Sith, would love to get uh, Mandalore on their side and, and turned against the Jedi. I'm sure that's the, you know, the ultimate play is like, that's great. You know, you know who else was really good at kicking Jedi ass, mm. the Mandalorians. How can we move those, uh, chess pieces into position? Yeah. So, uh, I think that's what's going on ultimately there with the Sith. But, uh, in terms of trying to understand the Jedi perspective of why did they fall into this trap? I thought there's just some great clarity in this episode. Um, in these episodes, Satine's got the, this great, seeing it from outside she can see it with more clarity than even you know our heroes like obi-wan and padme and, and mon mothma where she's got this line where she says war is intolerable we have been deceived into thinking we must be a part of it i say the moment we committed to fighting we already lost mm-hmm. and you know she is saying that i think ab- about 
uh, Mandalore, but also about the larger Republic. Yeah. And we, as audience, know that's ultimately true because we know this war wasn't necessary. Uh, Palpatine made it happen. Uh, mm. Any actual grievances with the Republic could have been handled with diplomacy. Uh, and we know that, you know, by watching the adventures of uh, Padme and, and Bail Organa and Mon Mothma. And we'll see more of that in the Clone Wars. Mm. And then Obi-Wan counters which, with what I think is the, like, big picture perspective of the Jedi. Mm. He says, and yet some might argue that the strongest defense is a swift and decisive offense. You know, he's just, it, it, we've seen it as we've been going through these episodes where the Jedi are like, no, we can end this war quickly. Like the Separatists are attacking. Mm -hmm. So we have to defend the innocent, you know, people of the Republic who are being attacked. And then we can just end it real quick. And it's, it's great that you can really see where the Jedi are coming from, but also know, you know, from the perspective of the audience uh, with the knowledge we have that they don't, that Satine is right. Mm -hmm. Mm hmm. Yes. Uh, yeah. Uh, and I, I put down this note. Uh, I, I hope it ties to this a little bit here. As, as, you know, uh, uh, it really comes down to the Man Mandalorians uh, needing to act uh, out of safety, not pride attached to anything uh, in their past, too, uh, and all that kind of there as well. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, there, there's so much great stuff about, you know, who should the Mandalorian mm -hmm. people be? You know, did they lose anything uh, by yeah. becoming uh, pacifist? Uh, mm -hmm. And at least in this episode, the we see that uh, Satine is absolutely willing to take action. She is not, you know, she's a pacifist. She is not passive. Mm -hmm. uh, and mm -hmm. the, the people advocating uh, for the warrior ways of Mandalorians uh, are not, I think, portrayed as great people. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, there's a lot of lies. Uh, that's my last thing for this is, uh, you know, yeah. I like that that third episode is just so much about reminding you about watch out for lies, manipulation, yeah. misinformation. It's really a great micro and macro version of showing that any notion that is just like, you know, defending uh, someone who is in trouble or taking a small act of violence for the greater good, those ideas that you could say are just are so easily twisted and perverted by bad actors like Palpatine. And I think mm -hmm. this episode is such a, a, a great reminder of that. And, it, you know, it's, 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 it's such a bittersweet moment when, at least this time, Palpatine's uh, plot got foiled. Mm -hmm. And while it's being foiled and while you know, it's foiled by Satine getting the truth. Satine Obi-Wan getting the truth and just like literally broadcasting the truth. And while yeah. that is happening, we get this montage of the wise leaders of Padme and Mon Mothma and Rio mm -hmm. Chuchi, who we met earlier. And it right. is this heartbreaking. It's kind of fist bumping. You're like, yeah, take that, Palpatine. Your lie didn't work this time. <laughs> this time. This time. This time. Yeah. yeah. Any other thoughts before we uh, take a break and get into the second half? No, no. I mean, there's, there's a lot, there's a lot, and, and and there's so many specific themes to focus on too that you can gravitate. And I just, um, I really took a, uh, just took a turn into that uh, introspective, uh, find out who you are, uh, type of thing, and, and know it, and and then and then it will, it will. You might not be back to back with uh, blasters, uh, blasters in a in a droid, uh, you know, discombobulator, whatever that weapon was, uh, <laughs> but but you'll be challenged, and and and. Uh, uh, and how you grow uh, is, is, is kind of up to you, uh, I think. So good, good, powerful stuff, big stuff, deep stuff. 
Yeah, absolutely. Big, deep, and powerful, and I, I think it's a deactivator, but I wish it was a decompopulator. <laughs> That's good. We need that. <laughs> so, uh, everyone, go ahead and take a chance to grab your own droid decompopulator, and we will be back in just a minute. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Radio. Radio. 
Hey, Four Center friends, make sure you're keeping up to date on all the great content from Jennifer Landa. Whether it's YouTube, Instagram, or TikTok, you whippersnappers, Four Center's own Jennifer Landa continues to bring you fun, informative, and insightful laughs and moments. Also, Jennifer brings her experience and perspective as a Star Wars-loving mother to her DIY projects, blogs, and more. So be sure to head on over to JennyLanda.com. That's J-E-N-I-L-A-N-D-A.com for articles like how to make your own Darth Maul sneakers or 10 unique Star Wars baby gift ideas. Follow Jen on Twitter and Instagram at JenniferLanda and on TikTok as JenniferLanda1138. finish our discussion of the great Mandalore arc in season two of Clone Wars. We're going to talk about some of our favorite moments, some of the big canon stuff. We're starting with the action. Ken, did you have some favorite action moments in this arc about pacifism? <laughs> Yay. Good point. Yes, I did. Uh, let's see what we got here. God, I, I put some just big general ones because now I got ah, take that back. I, got some ones. I just love I, I, I marked it in the first episode, but really it's all through this and, and through all his career. I do love Obi-Wan Kenobi fist fighting an armored man or droid. It happens often. <laughs> and sometimes it works. Good well-placed kick or punch works. And sometimes in this episode a few times, or I'm thinking General Grievous and that leg kick and Revenge of the Sith, it doesn't work. But he, by golly, he's always going to try. And that I love. Yeah, he has not seen a helmet. He won't punch. He does just, yeah, he, this is rock'em sock'em Obi-Wan, right? He's just constantly punching the Mandalorians in this arc. Yeah, I, I love that. That and a great moment. Later, I love when he shoots the rocket pack uh, and it explodes and, and takes out two Death Watch. Yeah, that was such a great moment of uh, of Obi Wan being uh, clever, right, and mm-hmm. taking the having the patience to look at the situation, look at resources, and, and work with what he's got. So I love that one. Um, I really love Obi Wan uh, being trapped on the industrial conveyor belt, Satine coming to rescue him, but the the conveyor belt thing you know these episodes are such political thrillers with such kind of dense fun uh, intriguing real world stuff and Mm -hmm. all the romance and all the philosophy of uh, what is a peacekeeper but then even within that this is such an old serial cliffhanger this is out of james bond 60s batman (laughs) like i'm on a conveyor belt and i'm gonna be smashed is so old serial pulpy that i really like that that was you know still present in this episode yeah love that uh, and then you you highlighted the great uh, rocket pack moment. I love in the the Vizsla and Obi Wan fight. You know, great reveal of the dark saber. We'll talk mm-hmm. about that in the canon. Uh, but I I like the way that that whole thing is paced. That um, that uh, Pre Vizsla is is good, and he is making Obi Wan work to the top of his game. But Obi Wan still does have the force on his side, and he kicks Vizsla's ass. And this is one of the one of the moments where I really like like. You know, there isn't a big argument in these episodes that the warrior ways have nobility to them because Vizsla's being a coward and a jerk. He starts this fight by mm-hmm. shooting the Mando he thinks is a, a failure. Then mm-hmm. Obi-Wan kicks his ass, and then he ends the fight by saying, you three get him. <laughs> <laughs> Who's the big Mandalorian warrior now? Like, yeah. he's, he, he's portrayed as a coward, ultimately, you know? Yeah, uh, and, and good old-fashioned force-center hubris, get the, you know, the blade, everything. Yeah, yeah, I love that, yeah. Yeah, great stuff there. Uh, and then in the the second episode, uh, man, the the creepy scenes down in the hold with the assassin probe, and in particular the moment where it's a uh, puppeteering uh, the clone oh, yeah. red eye. Uh, 
great creepy stuff so great uh, absolutely great and uh um just the, the the design of that the look i mean it's animation but it looks so realistic each step uh it just it's kind of one of those i kind of forgot about it too from back in the day and i was watching it here just kind of like what oh wait yeah 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 totally love it great stuff and in that whole sequence i just love uh you know not for nothing just anakin leaping around lightsabers going into places it's pretty fun to watch yeah, it's kind of it's a fun episode because Anakin isn't the focus. And sometimes, uh, you know, I love Anakin focused episodes, but sometimes it's fun to just see him as the like, yeah, the, the you know, brave Jedi Knight who just uh, can handle anything, you know, and he's just down there uh, getting getting his work done, cutting things apart. Yeah. Uh, and in particular, he's got that great uh, saber throw, which is, you know, very, very similar to Vader's saber throw to toward Luke in Return of the Jedi. So that was another fun like, oh, yeah, that's just that's a cool action moment. And it connects back to uh, he's he's a long term fan of the saber throw. Yes. <laughs> he knows he knows what defines him and how to go forward with that saber throw. <laughs> uh, last action beat for me is uh, in that second episode when uh, Obi-Wan and Satine do come back to back. Uh, fighting yeah. the littler uh, spider droids. Um, and, you know, I was trying to take a screenshot of that and it happens real fast. And they, they, I was like doing frame by frame. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and they, they look at each other quickly. There is, you know, there's the great exchange of that dialogue of, Hey, this is kind of what a Jedi does as, you know, we're pacifists who will defend ourselves. Uh, but there's clearly this moment where they're remembering their youth, right? Like yeah. this is what the kind of moments that brought them together. And mm-hmm. I love that it happens fast. It's subtle, but it's, it is, uh, uh, forgive me, a sexy action moment. It's great. No, it's, uh, yeah. I love the his description of the past of eating, uh, you know, hand to mouth on the run. And here it is. You kind of, you're going to, uh, yeah, I love that. It's again, you can feel it. it. Yeah. You can feel it. It's romantic in a way. America, no, no, Anakin has <laughs> says that, right? <laughs> Something about that, too. Um, love that. Oh, yeah. Any other action moments for you? Yeah, I, I do. Um, um, I do love, in, in the third episode, again, the fight, there's the Duchess of Teens on the run, and she sh- uh, shoots a droid at one point, and uh, it's, pretty, it's a pretty damn good shot. Uh, I love that little sequence there. And just... Uh, Kenobi kind of uh, defending Satine. Uh, she can hold her own, right? But he's doing some great stuff in the in a lot of the sequence uh, sequences going on there. Just big stuff. Uh, and, and these three episodes really have so much classic Star Wars action, swashbuckling, whiz bang, uh, deep philosophy. It, it's uh, there's a reason these three hit so well. Yeah, and you're right. That fight with the uh, the assassin in that third mm-hmm. episode is, is good stuff too. It's more uh, more uh, Obi Wan uh, punching. <laughs> Yeah, 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 bunch of Mandalorians who have clearly been trained to disarm uh, whenever possible to disarm the Jedi. Uh, yeah. But it always has a great tension for me, especially the first time I watched it, uh, not knowing the rest of the story and and feeling like well, Obi Wan, you have to protect her; she, mm-hmm. she can die. You know? Yeah, uh, yeah, right, absolutely. Uh, okay, so moving on from action moments uh, to moments of comedy, whimsy, weirdness. Oh man, it was it was hard to try to narrow these down because the banter is so good. Uh, but Ken, what do you got? Where what are your favorite moments of comedy, whimsy, weirdness? Yeah, yeah. I, I uh, there's some general things going on here, but uh, I some of the lines are some Satine lines. I'm definitely gonna uh, have uh, let you have on your list there. Uh, <laughs> um, I love uh, the whole dinner sequence with Previsla, which has got that great painting behind, but just. Duchess, uh, the Duchess getting Kenobi on the radio, uh, you know, secretly. It's just good old hijinks. 
yeah, good old, uh, you know, a good old comedy, uh, su- suspense thriller. Because like Kenobi's in peril, but it's 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 the tone is a little different, and it's fun in that whole sequence. It's some even Indiana Jones ish to me, which I've said before in this episode. But like the whole thing about it, so I just love that she's on the radio playing along, answering answering Obi Obi Wan while while also answering previous was just fun. Yeah, no, I think it is well done, and I think yeah, it's great, uh, great relationship tension there too. Um, yeah, I think one of my first ones that I had to write down is the uh, Satine saying, "I have to tell you, I'm opposed to all of this." <laughs> Obi Wan saying, "I'd be disappointed if you weren't." <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, it really establishes uh, their their relationship and and that that question of kind of when to take action, when not to take action. Obi-Wan is being really assertive. He is really like my mandate from the Jedi, the Jedi, not the Republic from the Jedi is to figure out what's going on. And I'm going to figure it out. And you feel like Obi-Wan, you're pushing too hard. But mm-hmm. at the same time, it's like, but he's totally right. The death watch is a big problem. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and and he needs to expose it, you know? <laughs> Love that. Uh, yeah. And then in that, uh, that India, the Indiana Jones rescue sequence, which I think you're so right. Indiana Jones is a great way to describe that whole sequence is, uh, when they're they're bickering and Obi Wan doesn't think she's moving fast enough and he's he's getting to be grumpy, impatient Obi Wan and Satine yeah. says, "I haven't saved you yet." <laughs> yes. You know, just, I haven't saved you yet. Oh well, press the button. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So great stuff there. Um, another moment for me in the first episode is. There's this little burst of heroic music as Obi-Wan stands up to fight the revealed Death Watch Mandalorian uh, warriors, and he goes to grab his lightsaber that isn't there. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. It's a funny moment. It, I love it when the uh, the music gets to get the laugh line, basically. Um, mm-hmm. But it's also just this great reinforcement of what Satine's arguing of, like, you've gotten really used to just constantly being in war. Just like, you, you let, you're just... You're always going for the lightsaber, and it's not there this time. Not there. Indiana Jones-like as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, and I'll, I'll jump into the one that I know we need yeah. to talk about uh, sure. from yeah. the second episode of uh, Satine saying, Senators, yeah. I presume you're acquainted with a collection of half-truths and hyperbole that is Obi-Wan Kenobi. <laughs> Great line, uh, followed by a little bit of banter. And then we see uh, Anakin's take at their banter was just like, damn. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I've sensed something in, in uh, my master and old friend Obi-Wan about her, but now I'm seeing the sparks fly and in front of all these senators. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> looks and everything. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Line itself is uh, amazing and, mm-hmm. and worthy of discussion, but Anakin's take. Uh, of realizing, damn, this is real. Is it really the cherry on top of this uh, this uh, scripting Sunday? That's a it's a it's a great line, great sequence. Um, I, there there's I, I realize as I'm looking at my notes, I there's a lot of looks. There's a lot of great looks. Uh, Kenobi in that elevator uh, when Anakin's kind of like, hey, so this isn't the great the best time, but thank your girlfriend basically. And, and Kenobi just has this kind of like gives him a, a look. Um, a lot of the the look Anakin gives him after killing Merrick. There's a lot of just <laughs> takes, a lot of looks, a lot of double takes. I love it. That's, a that's lot great of comedy. Yeah, yeah. There's that super defensive. I knew her. Yes, because <laughs> Anakin's like, did you have it? I knew her. And then the uh, that great beat uh, where uh, Anakin says, "You go save your girlfriend." <laughs> yeah, she's not my. Uh, yeah, great comedy between the the two of them. Uh, this Satine line, the the collection of half truths and hyperbole. You know, I think there's a part of me that uh, at some point in my life, I would have said, 
that's too self-aware. That's too much of a character saying mm. what we, the fans, have come to say about Obi-Wan, right? Right, right, right. Because, you know, Return of the Jedi comes out uh, and Obi-Wan offers this truth to Luke that, you know, we, we cling the, to our points of view. Mm. Many choose who cling to depend greatly on our point of view. And Luke pushes back and then, you know, Obi-Wan really makes the argument and, and helps uh, Luke see the wisdom. But then we as fans are like, have this debate that still goes on is like that's not uh, that's not a point of view obi-wan straight up lied to him in a new hope and he's shady and he's a jerk and like uh, all of those sort of debates i feel like are summed up in this line and i think at a time in my life i would have been like that's too meta uh Mm, but uh, now with age in a different point of view i love that that is just sort of canonized as a part of his character in somebody who Mm-hmm. Loves him, I think, and sees him. Mm-hmm. That's a frustration that you'd have with him of like, but you are always going kind of, ooh, but what if we turn it around and look this way? And <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, always kind of trying to, you know, poke and prod and see it from another perspective and twist it around and exaggerate to win an argument. And it feels accurate to his character. It feels like that is a part of who he is. And this yeah. is a really salty way for a loved one to call him out <laughs> yes oh you know me well uh I, yeah i i totally see where you're coming from too if just like one point this might have been too too much but i i think over time just it, it we we in a serious way we talk about that that leia moment we we've, we've dug really deep into leia putting the blanket on luke and everything and how that's just something we've always talked about, but to have it kind of, like you said, kind of cemented, cemented in canon of just part of who they are, part of the character is it, it just it helps me really just connect these stories and just make these characters have uh, traits and strengths and weaknesses, and and so to really, um, you know, it's almost like any he, you know, and he sits on logs a lot. He loves to relax. <laughs> it, it's just fun. It, it's fun, and it's part of the spirit of uh, being a Star Wars fan while also creating Star Wars. I guess you get to kind of answer those questions directly. Yeah, and not to make it all about Obi-Wan, I think part of the reasons that I've uh, come to love it is it tells us so much about Satine, right? She is, we get right away that she is uh, uh, extremely sharp and, uh, uh, you know, a a true leader. Uh, But this is what really almost, this sets her apart, right? This is uh, a moment where we get to see that she is committed to pacifism but again not passive right like yeah. this is a person who is not going to hold back she's frustrated with obi-wan she's frustrated with the way he's uh pushing her and making his arguments so she's going to push back yeah <laughs> you know yeah great stuff uh what are other comedy moments for you um there's a little one here i think it's a second episode where uh kenobi uses the force to bring that chair back and and <laughs> like I love it. I, I, yeah, this is why we all want force powers, really. You know, move the TV remote closer to me. Yeah, no, that's what I would do. So I, I feel it's one of the more realistic Obi-Wan moments ever. It's just so intuitive, right? Like, mm-hmm. and I, I know to this day I've seen fans, uh, not fans, excuse me, friends on, on social media, and I guess fans of Star Wars, mm-hmm. continue to make the argument that that's a bad thing in the prequels, that the use of the force becomes mundane. Like they don't like it when he uses the force to close the door on Padme's ship in Revenge of the Sith. Mm. But like here, it's kind of funny, but it's also just, it's like, he's just totally in his head and he's just like, I can't even deal with what's going on and I need to sit down. And it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's so instinctual. It's almost just like the, I'm having a hard day and I need to sit down and 
you know, by Ooh. the will of the force, there'll be a chair under me when I collapse. Yeah, no, totally. No, look, I, you know, that's um, the Obi-Wan closing the door thing. I don't know. That's one of those. Yeah, and I'm definitely not insulting your friends, but it's like one of those paper thin cliche, you know, YouTube breakdowns of the Phantom Menace type of that. Yeah, that held water for about five minutes. None of it really does when you dig into it uh, again. You know, Ken, what would your force power be? I'd move my chair or pull my blankets up so I don't have to do it. Like, this is what <laughs> I would do. So that's why I actually love it even more. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, I think it, it is a view of the force that it is, it is all around us, you know, and, and it is natural to reach out and use. It's not, it is sacred, but it's sacred yeah. because it's everywhere, because it's all of us, because it's between you, me, the chair, and my yeah. <laughs> anxiety. <laughs> yeah, I, look. I, what is what does Obi Wan gain by moving that chair by himself? You know, does he stay true to who he is? Is that the lesson? Is the lesson here that you Jedi move chairs now, therefore they've lost their way? I don't know. Maybe it is, but maybe now. Look, if this was a video game and I had an, one of those annoying force meters and I was going to run out of force powers, <laughs> yeah, then maybe no. I'd question moving the chair. Yeah. But it also, I love that it also makes him clearly a little bit of a hypocrite. Uh, <laughs> uh, that great scene with uh when anakin says uh well people will disagree with me i'm great but the scene in attack of the clones the dinner scene where you know uh, anakin is floating fruit and he'd say obi-wan be very grumpy if you saw me do this yeah yeah <laughs> like, oh obi-wan being a bit of a hypocrite <laughs> um another moment of banter I, I could write down the whole script pretty much but yeah. the one i really liked is after that conflict in the second episode with the droids um and obi-wan says i distinctly remember carrying you to safety and Satine says, yes, I met the scar I got after you fell and dropped me. <laughs> and Obi-Wan says, oh, yes. Oh, yeah. that's, that's just such a, it's a funny line all by itself, but it's such a beautiful picture of young, uh, heroic Padawan Obi-Wan trying to be, you know, the shining uh, Jedi who is uh, protecting Satine. Mm -hmm. And it also just says so much about their relationship and the intimacy of being on the run, you know? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. There's just a, a ton to that. So I love that. Yeah. Um, one thing I wanted to be sure to get your take on is the whimsy of the bridge of that ship, the Coronet, that it is just straight up, no bones about it, an old seafaring vessel. Dude's got the captain hat and the weird facial hair and the, the steering yeah. wheel helm. Just, just straight up, you know, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean and yeah. real life too, I know. But uh, yeah. what did, what was that too much for you that like, it, this spaceship is just, it's a seaship. And I think and like the bridge is made of wood, I think, like some really fine buffed wood. Um, I, oh, it's almost too much. It's not, not too much in the, like, crumple up the paper and walk out of the meeting. But, like, it's, it, it, Star Wars does this, though. We, we're we're going to have you next week on the main show. We'll probably talk about Jackson a little bit because of uh, the toys announced recently. Um, and... I've always, yeah, no, it's a rabbit. It's a rabbit in space. And I love that Kevin Scott loves his character. And I love that Kevin Scott wrote that short story from a certain point of view for the Empire book where even Jackson's like, what's wrong with me? You got squid walking around. <laughs> so, so, you know, when I, that's the Mieber Gascon of it all. Do I not like that, uh, you know, do I like uh, him as a frog and hate Rift Hampson as a shark? It's just Star Wars going back to the beginning. So, yes, all that to say, I, I can't not see it. I'll just say that I can't. Every time I see it, I'm like, ah, it's it's a it's a ship, a yeah, ship. 
I totally forgot, and I was just delighted. I was just like, are they going to start doing some, like, uh, sea shanties for TikTok? Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's so beautifully on the nose. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But it does fit the rest of the aesthetic of the of the coronet, so I think that, mm-hmm. that works for me. Do yeah. you have any other uh, moments of comedy or whimsy? A big one, big uh, big final one. Uh, uh, we talked about the big moment uh, uh, with Merrick and the big moral choice and the moral dilemma, and, you know, Anakin takes care of that. But I just love what he's just, like, laying it out Bond villain style. I'm just like, oh, well, so now I might kill Obi-Wan, which means Satine, you would uh, save, kill him, uh, kill me to save him, and vice versa. Then when he says it to to uh, Kenobi, he's like, you know, if you kill me, you'd be a violent, violent man. Uh, other everyone would thank you. <laughs> Oops, except for one person. <laughs> it's so comical. It's so Bondy, villain like, uh, and I love it. Again, Greg Proops, great comic, great improv comic. Who's lying? And of course, Phantom Menace Fodes. Uh, 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 not bead, right? Fodes or see bead? He's Fodes, right? I, I always uh, forget which one is Fode and which one is bead. Yeah. Um. So, anyways, uh, I, I love that little moment, that great read of that beat. Yeah, and I mean, it it fits everything that's at stake in the episode, but it is also like it. It, it seems like the character Merrick is just sort of relishing. Like, you could, uh, you know, kill me, and you probably would. But then your girlfriend would be mad at you. It's yeah. it's so it's so dickish, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it works really really well. I think yeah. ultimately. Right. Uh, all right, so moving along um, to canon and lore connections to other stories. Um, a big reason to revisit these episodes right now is that that little show called The Mandalorian. Right, uh, mm. this is big Mandalore on screen, establishing a bunch of different things. Yeah. I just wanted to check in on what you thought about like the design and the sort of culture of actually seeing Mandalore, you know, the domes and the boxes and all that. What did, what did you think of that? So I've always loved this. And, and this is where, um, you know, uh, Ken doesn't read legends or EU stuff. Uh, I think it helps me. And I don't mean that in a, in a, in an insulting way. I know, I know a lot of people question this when this popped up. Well, that's not what we've been reading about and not what we've thought. And, and there's some great quotes. You all can find them if we, you know, we am sure we've even read them or discussed them before. If just Floney talking about, well, that's all George. And they were supposed to be super commandos and Boba and Django were kind of rogue. Uh, you know, the, the, the Mandalorians were never supposed to be bounty hunters. It just kind of came out of Boba Fett in the eighties and Django would reinforce that. But then just the look of Mandalore, I wasn't expecting anything. So when I got this, I was intrigued and, and the whole, uh, the care and detail into the production design and the animation and the, just everything about it and those shots. It's, it's some of the most beautiful stuff in Clone Wars in, in, in entirely. So I've always loved it. Uh, I understand some of the bigger pushback or, or just questions about it, but that's also George being George in a lot of ways. Now this is what I already always intended to <laughs> deal with it. Um, and then a little bit later on, 2019, we deal with it. Yeah. So uh, it's been, that's, I like it. I like it. I love the conversation around it. Yeah, yeah, no, me, me too, and I think these it makes these episodes really uh, fun uh, to uh, re-experience. I've always loved the design of the you know weird dome cities, uh, mm-hmm. and then almost everything inside is uh, very boxy, very designed. It, it's very rigid, but it is also mm-hmm. very artistic and has this just this clear sense of uh, tradition. You know, even yeah. the trees' leaves are cut into cubes. You know, yeah. I think it was you know, one of the behind the scenes for Revenge of the Sith, maybe even that video series they put out, uh, you know, on oh. the internet as it was coming out where 
uh, Lucas was talking about Utapau and like, you know, I, I really wanted to give a lot of thought to what, what would your culture be if you lived in a sinkhole? And he was so yeah. passionate about that. And it's always great to see that passion translated through the whole team for designing a, a world and a culture to, to match. And I, yeah. I just kind of love that there's something that makes perfect sense about Mandalore, this ancient place with a sense of like great honor that's been scarred by war. Yeah. And they're the way that translate into design is basically, you know, what if Picasso had Lego yeah. <laughs> and he would, he would build this place, you know, and there's the, those direct, there's the cubist painting of Satine and the, uh, in uh, Previsla's office, there's a Guernica, uh, like painting yeah. that just, you know, sharp edges, clear lines, you know, this is the way we've done it for a long time. Right. Really makes sense for the Mandalorians, but there's art to it as well. A boxy elegance. <laughs> yes. A boxy elegance, which makes a ton of sense. <laughs> uh, and in totally uh, inelegant uh, mm-hmm. news, uh, it, Greg Poops is fode. I looked it up, so he is you don't have to be tortured. He's fode, oh, not bead. Very important go. question answered and trivia studied for live <laughs> on air. Uh, I think Kenobi would t- say both of us, your instincts serve you well. yes yes uh so i want to talk about a couple of the specific moments that are relevant to all of our mandalorian speculation and discussion uh we get the the line from uh from olmec who says jango fett was a common bounty hunter how he acquired that armor is beyond me uh how does that sit uh with you now when you're revisiting this episode knowing we've now had this uh Mm -hmm. further conversation where uh, Django, or rather Boba, is saying, you know, my father was given this armor. He was, you know, basically adopted into the culture of Mandalore. Yeah, we, we had some great discussions during the, the Mandalorian Report episodes, right? But uh, now to actually see this and study it, and and it's very weird to just see this Almec quote in, in context of the episode. And I think, I, I, I'd say maybe, we, I know we as fans maybe took this at face value for a long time because this was kind of the belief that this came from George. Again, a lot of quotes. Um, but also, uh, to better serve the story, I look at this now and I, I just I just point at the screen like that Leo DiCaprio meme and say, that dude is lying. I see it. I see it right there. He's lying. Uh, everything about it, nothing nothing about it rings true, which doesn't mean it wasn't intended to be true at any point. I mean, this is the fun of Star Wars and the Star Wars story continuing. There's nothing honest about Almec, right? Yeah. <laughs> He's I mean, listenous and shady and hiding. So, yeah, his gut reaction, that's, that's no, no. Shouldn't yeah. Be. Yeah. No, I totally agree with you. It's so great to see it again in the context of the episode because what's at stake in the episode uh, in particular at this point is, you know, there's this rumor uh, planted by someone that the Mandalorians are gearing up to side with the Separatists. That's why Obi-Wan's there is this this question hanging over them of are the Mandalorians people of violence or not? Mm-hmm. And so when Obi-Wan's like, I ran into a Mandalorian recently, it makes a lot of sense that Olmec would push back. And then right. uh, what happens throughout the episode is uh, Satine keeps being betrayed by Mandalorians that she thinks <laughs> yeah. uh, she can rely on. You know, she thinks that she's got a good relationship with Pre Vizsla. She thinks she's got a good relationship with Tal Merrick. Right. Yeah. You know, and eventually Olmec is going to betray her too, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah. Long game here. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's interesting, right? Because, yeah, it, that doesn't play out much yet. 
So even then, going back to this, the year we're watching this, yeah, you know, you don't get the immediate payoff for it. Yeah, but I I take your your point too of like it's you don't even have to look that up on Wikipedia. You can mm-hmm. just sense that that this is a, a defensive, not entirely yeah. trustworthy guy's point of view. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And look, you could be like he's frustrated. Oh gosh, uh, Django again. Yes, yes, we always hear about it. No, 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 he does not represent us. But yeah, it, it's just everything about it is anger and and flash and passion and and a, and a lie. So yeah, I, I accept it as the story story goes on. It's it's interesting to revisit that, and and it's fun to just watch it now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so there you go, Almec. He he has the truth from his point of view. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, Bob and Django have their point of view too, and we're going to be finding out more about it, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, and then of course we go to the dark saber. Yeah. Uh, and we got uh, Vizsla saying this lightsaber was stolen from the Jedi Temple during the fall of the Old Republic. Since then, many Jedi have died upon its blade. How did it hit you to uh, see the Darksaber uh, now that it is in shells at Target? <laughs> right. Uh, I, great. And also just fun to see that it's um, there's not much beyond that line, right? Uh, that gets filled in more in Rebels and, and just uh, down the line and, and to where we are now uh, with the Din looking at it going, why don't why do I have this? I don't want this. Why, I don't want this. Um, so, yeah, just uh, fun and how you can um, – I think you can, the tip of the iceberg storytelling phrase uh, we use here, it just, that's what that was. That was just a tip of a story that wasn't yet fully told. And it, when the time was right, Floney said, you know what we could do? Let's go back and tell that story. And I just love how that works. Again, a lot of what we're talking about here, even with Django or, or Mandalore itself. Yeah, yeah. That th- These ideas can be thrown out and then, you know, they get, uh, they evolve. Mm-hmm. or get adapted over time or we learn that they're just one character's point of view that stuff is uh, i think a part of the the mm-hmm. fun of star wars storytelling of not knowing the whole truth and getting to wonder for a while and even with the amount that we've learned about the dark saber there's still just a lot of i found myself just still excited by you know the things that we don't know mm-hmm. and just this line was a great reminder for the sake of this episode that, you know, the Jedi and Sith have this history of conflict and violence. And that's a part of what is, you know, animating everything. There's such disdain for the Jedi of like this implication that, you know, mm-hmm. this is the dark saber, you know, belongs to us and we mm-hmm. use it to kill you. That's what it is. You know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's this, a uh, great symbol of uh, of honor that mm-hmm. will most likely be motivating uh, Mandalorian season three, as far as we can see. Or maybe Mandalorian season three just opens up and everybody <laughs> is at a bonfire because they decided to destroy the dark saber. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? A uh, yeah. couple other uh, canon things. Uh, none is big. Uh, we got more uh, BD three thousand luxury droids. They are everywhere in the Clone Wars. Yep. <laughs> yep. Uh, we got the gauntlet uh, fighters and transports. I absolutely love those ships. One of my favorite uh, Star Wars designs. Uh, wh- where do you land on the gauntlet fighters, Ken? Uh, wait, remind me. These are the ones that... that uh, These the, are the foldy wings. The foldy wings. The foldy wings. Uh, for some reason, I was thinking of the uh, flying thumbtacks that uh, infiltrate ships. Uh, no, I do really love those. And it is fun to see them in live action. Yeah, it's a, it's an underrated design in a way. I know a lot of people are big fans, but you know, you don't think about it when you're listing the ships. Uh, and it was fun to see him again, for sure. Yeah. Uh, then we got deep fried Nuna legs. <laughs> That's right. nice. Uh, they seemed like they came off larger Nunas to me. Yeah, supersized Nunas. <laughs> supersized Nunas. And uh, more Mon Mothma oh, background walking in the Senate, which yeah. she, she does a lot, which I appreciate. 
Uh, yeah, I put that down as well. Just fun to see Mon walking around, getting ready to lead a rebellion. Yeah. Anything else for canon connections that you wanted to discuss? I just put a bunch of um, these kind of concepts of, um, first of all, it was to have Padme kind of be talking, handling, you know, handing down the news to Satine that, look, look, if this doesn't go right, you know, you know the Republic will occupy your planet to have Padme saying that and, and, and knowing what she went dealt with the trade federation carries some weight to me, just a thing that means a little bit more meaning has more meaning in the star Wars story. Uh, Anakin just being really interested in Kenobi's past. is just one of those big, like, uh, eh, eh moments of, uh, you know, when someone's really concerned, well, okay, but what happened when you did that? Did <laughs> there any problems when you had a secret love, any, 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 you know, and Kenobi might already be clued in at this point, of course. Uh, I, I think we believe that. Um, but I just, I just love that. That's a big, big connection to me just to the, what's coming and both the tragedy and, and the fun of it all. But just to have him just be me, you know, me thinks doth protest too much. here. <laughs> yeah. I really love it. Cause it is a bittersweet road, not taken. It, it mm-hmm. does seem like Anakin wants the information. And if Obi-Wan was more on his, his game for seeing what Anakin needed, that he could have, you know, used this as a way to have a healthy conversation. And uh, we'll get to it eventually in season six, I believe, when yeah. uh, Anakin's having some more Rush Clovis anger. Uh, yeah. There's a great moment where Obi-Wan does kind of try to, like, you know I had feelings for Satine. It's okay to have these feelings. It's, you know, what we do about them. And Ana- Anakin's not in a place to have that conversation. Mm-hmm. He's not having it. But he could have here, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, right. So sad. So mm-hmm. sad. Uh, any other uh, canon moments? No, other than just kind of the big revelations, Kenobi leaving the Jedi Order and him and Satine. Just we we kind of discussed all that, but it's just it's it's um, big connections and and part of the the thrill of these episodes. It wasn't just the action; it was like what the perfect Jedi Kenobi would have left. Like it's it's great fun stuff. Yeah, totally humanizes. Uh, yeah, our good old Obi Wan Kenobi. Uh, was there anything in these episodes that you disliked or questioned? Uh, I mean, if I can get over the, uh, uh sh- actual ship in space, <laughs> I'm okay. But no, uh, just in terms of writing and execution of these uh, stories, uh, just, it, it, they're, these, these inspired so many fans, uh, for a reason and, and to go back and analyze them here was a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think, uh, I love the entire arc. Uh, that second episode in particular, I love what it does for the the big story of the Clone Wars, what it does for Mandalore, what it does uh, for Kenobi, introducing this amazing character uh, of Satine. Uh, yeah. The only thing for me was just extremely small things, and it, it, it's really interesting to watch, you know, now that these episodes are like, you know, they're 10 years old. Uh, that every once in a while there's a joke where I feel like, eh, we probably don't do that as much. You know, there's a joke about Orn Prita's legendary appetite, you know. <laughs> yeah. uh, and there's a lot of... Uh, of arm grabbing uh where satine is trying to walk away and obi-wan grabs her arm and you know yeah. some of that is that tradition of uh you know star wars pulls from uh classic hollywood i think that's we've talked about it. it's got an old hollywood romance vibe between uh satine and obi-wan and a part of it is that sort of uh you know if you're pulling from a source material sometimes you just sort of update the as ideas yeah but it did it did affect me i feel like i feel like if this was made now obi-wan would not quite be doing as much arm grabbing <laughs> jostled her around yeah i would agree yeah yeah uh but those are minor things looking back on uh it is uh not only great episodes of star wars but uh something that was made at a specific time and everything evolves but absolutely great episodes is there anything that we have not talked about that you wanted to touch on 
There was, oh, well, I put down, this might have been a, a loose connection. Just uh, Annika one point says that's a very remarkable woman, which is very true. And you said introducing this great character, Satine. And, and I, I, I Padme and Satine and, and, and have Obi-Wan and Kenobi have these two remarkable women in their lives to have them constantly uh, learn from, uh, be challenged by. And, you know, as tragic as some of the stories were, I just, I love that. I love that they both... Uh, have these characters in their lives, and Satine is is a spectacular character. Um, the other thing I, I put down here is uh, Satine. Um, you, I think you said it one way. I've said it one way. I've said it other ways. Uh, the show has said it a couple different ways. Satine cries. Satine cries. Satine cries. Also, she says, uh, "Oh, you've met uh, Governor Vizla," and Kenobi answers, "Oh, Vizla." <laughs> Star Wars just loves doing it. I'm convinced it just loves it, and it makes it difficult for us sometimes when you're making videos and you put a <laughs> tribute to Dutch, Duchess Satine cries. I remember even call, I called Alex Dave and I was like, "How do you say it?" Yeah, yeah. no, I was I was determined to try to say it uh, right, and it still came out uh, wonky at the top of this episode because I think in the episode they say crease. Yeah, but there's something about that Y that makes me feel like I can't I can't say crease. There's yeah. a Y in there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And uh, and I and I, I would say maybe that one's considered more standard now, but but again, we say pre Vizsla because pre Viz, uh, the designing you know characters, and everything. It's a great inside joke. Um, the early visualization, visualization of the of the story. Uh, 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 you know, uh, uh, why am I forgetting the term? But you know what I mean. Designing the characters. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, storyboards. There, I went to film school. Um, but to have her, I it just I I made a note because she's just like oh governor. Vizla. I'm like, oh, well, okay. That's different. <laughs> uh, I, I'm so glad that you point that out. And uh, yeah, I'll try it. Duchess Satine Crease. There, I said it. I can make myself ignore the Y. Sure. Yeah. And I just, I can't wait until we do our Rebels rewatch to get all the way to yeah. Ian McDermott saying Ashoka. <laughs> <laughs> That's good, Ian. That's good. The car's out front. <laughs> you do you, Ian. That's fine. We don't care. Go for it. That's that's names in Star Wars. Um, yeah, I, I wanted to shout out uh, Anna Graves, her performance. Yes. Um, also, you know, I know that there is uh, there are a lot of fans that this relationship between Obi-Wan and Satine means a lot to people. You know, great stories from uh, James Arnold Taylor and Anna Graves about uh, the interactions they've had with uh, people at conventions, about how much these characters, uh, this romance means to people. And I just absolutely adore it. I absolutely love it as a big fan of of Obi-Wan. I think she is a character who's an absolutely fabulous character by herself. And it's great that we got some episodes coming up where Obi-Wan's not around. It's Satine mm-hmm. interacting with other people. Uh, and Satine is a great character all by herself. But she adds so much to Obi-Wan. And sometimes when I think about Obi-Wan and, and have like just total fun headcanon of, why did Obi-Wan do that? What was going through Obi-Wan's mind? It's really fun for me to look at different moments of Obi-Wan through his whole life and go, is he checking in on what Satine would think? Mm. like I think he truly loved her and I think he truly respected her so much and I think he had that great she sees me she sees everything about me from the best things about me to you know the moments uh where I'm full of half-truths and hyperbole she knows me you know what would she say how would she push me if I was about to make this choice would Satine go eh is that the right choice, everyone? Like, I think he's checking in with Satine in his mind a lot. I love that take. That's great. All right. We shall move on then to our final uh, question. If you could have a figure of any character from the episode, who would you want, Ken? 
I, you know, sometimes try to be cute and funny. Uh, you know, other times it's just an actual one. I think uh, more Duchess Satine figures. Uh, she's got a lot of, uh, you know, little potential outfits uh, to have some figures on. So I would do that. But I, I definitely think you need, unfortunately, it's it's tragic, but you do need a, you know, red eye controlled by, by droid. <laughs> <laughs> a play set. Absolutely. Yeah, I would, uh, I would love uh, one of those uh, assassin probes uh with uh spring up uh spider and repressed emotion action i think that would be absolutely great i'd mm-hmm. be all for that uh yeah the satine thing uh, i would absolutely love uh, a satine action figure and in particular what i'd never noticed uh without watching these episodes uh with the eye we watch them as we do these uh, re- reviews and discussions is my satine action figure i want her to come with a, a deactivator yeah but she drinks a lot of martini, space martini drinks yeah. in the just classic martini glass. So if there's a Satine action figure, she has got to come with at least four martini glasses. Go with that uh, k- drinking Kenobi figure. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's right. Yeah. I got a, a Kenobi drinking figure and now I need a Satine drinking figure. Yeah. Uh, all right. Next up, Ken, we're going to be discussing the final arc of season two. It's uh, episodes 20, 21, and 22, Young Boba Fett Seeking Revenge on Mace Windu. So looking forward to watching those and discussing those. Ken, what should the moral of this episode of our podcast be? The moral of this one should be the Force Center podcast you were does not need mean it's the Force Center podcast. It is. <laughs> I love that. That is some good Jedi wisdom. Uh, where can people find us? Uh, you can find uh, me. Uh, uh, no, not me. That's us. You said us. Uh, you can find us at Four Center Pod on Twitter. We are uh, Instagram and YouTube. You can like our Facebook page. Uh, you can also get an audio book on us by going to audibletrial.com slash Force Center. And uh, don't forget to get some merch, including our Speculate Responsibly t-shirt at tpublic.com slash user slash Force Center. You can support us directly at patreon.com slash force center. I, because there's an I in force center. There isn't. Uh, you can <laughs> follow me. I can be found over at uh, Kednapsuck or Kednapsuck.com. Joseph, where can you? There's a you. Oh, there's not even a you in force center. Where can it be? <laughs> uh, there's a, the British spelling, right? Of oh, force. Cool. That has, no, it doesn't. Yeah. Uh, tried tried you can find me uh, on twitter and instagram at joseph scrimshaw and you can check out my website joseph for all of my other comedy adventures ken and i get so excited uh talking star wars all these different ways to pronounce names we get a little tongue-tied every once in a while but that is all part of the fun uh thank you uh for listening as we get really excited about this great arc of the clone wars uh but for now for myself for Ken, for Duchess Satine Kreese, this has been the Clone Wars Report. What was that? 
boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.